of the South Island to the warmth of Hawaii, and from there went on to California and hung out with Pastor Pat Sparrow for a few days. And so uh, I'm really blessed and you know privileged to preach this morning. There's a whole front row of uh, of great men and women who could be preaching. So uh, I, I hope I hope God's going to do something. <laughs> so, yeah, no no pressure, no pressure. Fantastic. I reckon Willie and Desiree are awesome, by the way. You've got great pastors and leaders. I think we've known each other for, I, I was trying to work it out, but uh, my oldest son just turned 10, and these guys were at the hospital uh, when he was born. So it's at least 10 years. Uh, I guess it's maybe 11 or 12 years now. And uh, we really do. We, we just honor them, and we see what God is doing through their lives. And and it's like whenever I come to wherever they've been, I just, I know they're here because of what I see and what I feel. And uh, so this morning, I, I honor you guys. Uh, you're incredible. Keep going. And I really felt just as you were ministering, Willie, for the family here, that uh, really the new season is going to be so much bigger and uh, so much greater than anything you've seen before. I saw it like concentric circles. You know, you drop a stone in the water and, and the first ring starts to push out, and it's pretty good, and, uh, and in a way, you've seen that, and then the next ring comes a little bit bigger, and it's been even better, but I really believe over this next season that as God just keeps dropping stuff in your lives, and as you keep stewarding it, I just see the rings of influence going out and out and out and out, and uh, how many of you know it only takes a little small stone to make a big ripple, and, uh, and so I just think God's going to do something. I'm excited what's going to come out of this church. Anybody excited about what God is doing here? Fantastic. Wonderful. Well, if you've got a Bible this morning, let's, let's read. Um, I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 17 and verse 20. And in a minute, I'm going to go to 2 Corinthians. Uh, Matthew 17 verse 20, hopefully it's going to come up behind me. It just says this, Jesus is talking about the disciples' unbelief and uh, how they couldn't do some things. And then he says this, for assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. That's just a great scripture, isn't it? You can read that a thousand times over and be inspired. You just need faith like a mustard seed to see the landscape of your life dramatically changed and transformed. Just little faith this morning. And then 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Everybody say, all things have become new. So if you're writing notes this morning, I've got a title for you for my message. Uh, the title of my message today is Faith That Brings Transformation. Faith That Brings Transformation. I believe God is in the game of transforming lives. Uh, you know, not just kind of uh, adjusting lives, not just kind of uh, making small uh, differences to our lives, but I believe he's in the game of bringing transformation. So uh, I arrived into New Zealand uh, uh, Friday, so uh, coming from the UK, 
And, uh, you know, I've done many long flights before, but I've got to say the flight to get to Dunedin is the longest one uh, that, that I've ever done. But, you know, I got on the, on the, <laughs> the plane in London, uh, got onto my seat 38D, uh, which if you've ever been on a big plane, that means you're a long way back. And so I was in my, my, my little seat. And some of you may know, I, I actually used to work for British Airways, and so I, I know one or two people uh, in the airline. And so I'm sat in 38D, and uh, as I'm waiting to take off, a, a, a gentleman from the airline comes down to my seat and says, excuse me, Mr. Collard, uh, we think you're in the wrong seat. How, how many of you know that's sounding good? <laughs> you know, day and a half's travel ahead of me. And he says, uh, uh, we, I think you're in the wrong seat. And so he says, please bring your stuff and come with me. So, you know, you can't get your stuff together quick enough at this point. And so, uh, and so he, he said, follow me. And so he followed, I followed him out of economy into premium economy. Oh, praise the Lord. Premium economy, a little bit more space, a little bit more room, a little bit of better food. And, but he, he didn't stop at premium economy. He kept on walking into business class. Come on. Uh, and, uh, and I'm thinking, thank you, Jesus. I, I want to turn around to everyone else and say, see you suckers. But I, I didn't. I, I, I kept it in. And, and, uh, and so we're walking through business class when this incredible thing happens. He keeps on walking through business class into first class. And we walk right up to the front of the plane, and there's my seat, seat number 1A. And he says, is this okay? Is this okay? And so I, I took my seat, and I don't know if you've ever been on a first-class seat, especially when you didn't pay $10,000 for it. It's a great feeling. And, uh, I, you know, you, you know in, in economy, you, you know, you've got the person's seat right there, and if they choose to recline it, it's like sometimes you can't even see the TV. It's so close. But in first class, you get to lie out. You know, they come and ask you, would you like some pajamas? And uh, would you like a, of course, and would you like a, a glass of champagne? And, and uh, you know, they just offer you. And, and then when it, you're kind of getting sleepy, they come to you and they say, can we make your bed? Heck yes, you can make my bed. And so they, they, they flatten this seat out. I hope that's okay. So they flatten this seat out and they put a little mattress down and put a little pillow there and they turn the light down and you've got your pajamas on and you get into bed. And uh, I've got to say, I, my world literally was transformed. It was transformed. And uh, the only problem is now I've got to do the whole trip the whole way back in probably 38D, and it's going to be a, a tough trip. Uh, <laughs> here's the deal. I believe that God wants to literally transform us. He wants to transform us. And sometimes in life, we give God permission to meddle or to make minor adjustments to our lives. But I think God wants to do far more than that today. I believe He wants us to put our faith to work to bring transformation. So I've got a couple of things this morning that I want to start off with, which is just great news. A <laughs> great piece of news, number one, according to Romans 12, verse 3, where God says He has given you a measure of faith. I want to declare over your life this morning, you have faith. You have faith. You might have walked in here this morning and not felt like your faith was particularly strong. You may have not felt like it was particularly developed, but according to the Word of God, you have a measure of faith. 
So the great news this morning is if you're a believer, if you've received Jesus in your life, you are a man of faith, you are a woman of faith. That's good news, isn't it? Here's the second piece of good news. According to the Word of God, if we're to see transformation in our lives, we don't need big faith. We just need faith the size of a mustard seed. So my second piece of good news this morning is that, number one, you have faith. Number two, you don't need a lot of faith. You just need some faith. (laughs) You know, the disciples saying to Jesus all the time, how do we grow our faith? How do we get bigger faith? And Jesus says, use what you've got. And so here's the deal. You know, if, if, if I was a farmer and I wanted to plant a whole lot of crops, I would have a big bag of seed. And as long as the seed remains in the bag, nothing good comes of it. But the moment I decide to take the seed and sow it in the ground, water the seed, believe on the seed, pray over the seed, declare over the seed, something starts to happen. You know, the truth is sometimes in our Christianity, our seed is dormant. Our faith is dormant. We have this deposit of faith. We have this seed of faith, but we're not doing anything with it. But when we start to sow it, when we start to believe on it, when we start to put it to work, you'll see that God will start to transform areas of your life. So I've got three areas this morning I want to talk to you about where God wants to bring transformation. Is that okay? Three areas this morning. Number, number one I believe that faith, when we put it to work, when we sow it, when we declare it, when we get it working in our lives, number one, faith will transform our inner world. Everyone say, my inner world. What's, what's your inner world? Your, your inner world is that part of your world that probably no one else sees. <laughs> it's, it's that part of your world that's broken right now that God wants to restore, How many of you know we're all broken? We're all broken. And God, piece by piece, is putting us back together and restoring us to be the person that he created us to be. But we're all on a journey. And here's what we've got to do. We've got to take the faith that God has given us that we could see the restoration of all that is broken in our lives. I'll read to you 2 Corinthians again. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Aren't you glad about that? Aren't you glad about there's some things in your life that they've gone, they've died, they're dead. We don't want to see them anymore. But behold, all things have become new. And so here's the deal. If we'll take the faith that God has given us and put it to work, we'll start to see transformation on the inside. Anybody got some areas on the inside that you could do with being transformed? (laughs) You know, when I grew up, I'm one of five kids. And, uh, uh, you know, in every family, uh, there are, you know, kids that, you know, quarrel from time to time. And you know what I'm talking about. Uh, you know, and you know, for me, when I was a teenager, I just kind of hit those teenage years, and I, I discovered I just had this temper that couldn't be controlled. Any, any, anyone, any bad teenagers there? You know, you look back and you think, my goodness, I was a horror of a teenager. 
I remember one day I was in my room, I had my stereo playing, and my sister, who was older, who also had a fairly sharp temper, uh, came up to my room and demanded that I turn my music off because she was watching television downstairs and she couldn't hear it. So I felt that that was a fairly unreasonable request. And so I waited for her to leave uh, before turning it up even louder. And a few moments later, she came back with a pair of scissors and just cut the plug <laughs> off my stereo. And uh, being the completely non-sanctified teenager that I was, I got my own pair of scissors, went around to her room and cut the plug off everything that I could find. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And... Uh, so that, you know, that was my teenage years, and I used to play sport with my younger brother. How many of you know younger brothers can just wind you up quicker than anyone else on the face of the planet? Got a couple of brothers on the front row here this morning. Uh, uh, <laughs> just wind you up. I'd play sport with my brother, and I was convinced he was, he was doing it just to wind me up. We'd play cricket, and he'd be bowling the ball around my head all the time. And, man, I remember just losing it. We had a, we had a big pond in our front garden. So I'd, I'd grab his brand-new cricket gear that he'd got for his birthday, and I'd just chuck it all in the pond and. Uh, just a moment of rage. You remember throwing my bat at his head several times? I think I missed. I can't remember. <laughs> you know, we have these kind of things in our lives. We have these areas of, of brokenness. I'm, I'm being humorous this morning, but the truth is, you know, we, we all have these areas that need the restoration of God. Who wants to go through life feeling angry all the time? Sometimes those areas look like things like doubt and uh, insecurity or bitterness, frustration, you know, just lack of confidence in who we are. And God loves to come, and when we'll apply our faith to it, He loves to transform it. You know, I remember when I was in my 20s, uh, late 20s, early 30s, I, I went through this stage of life where I just struggled to sleep all the time. Just struggle to sleep. And I, you know, I kind of come from a wonderful Christian family, but at the same time, uh, uh, a whole bunch of people who are also just probably not great at sleeping. And so, you know, I'd just go to sleep and then I'd wake up, try to go to sleep. And I remember just getting more tired and more tired. And this went on for a number of years. And to make matters worse, my, my wife, Monica, who some of you might have met last year, she has this kind of spiritual gift that's not in the Bible. I, I, I call it the, the gift of sleeping. She can sleep anywhere, anyhow, no problem. On a plane, 12 hours, it's easy. And so, you know, I wake up in the night, look over, and just always fast asleep the whole night. And, uh, and so what do you do? You know, with that, it's, a, it, it's an area that, I think God wanted to do something with. And so one day I'm reading my Bible and I discover a verse that says, God gives sleep to those he loves. <laughs> well, I got a problem here because either God doesn't love me <laughs> or he wants to transform an area of my life from brokenness to wholeness. And so I started to take a hold of that scripture and declare it over my life. And I'd go to sleep, I'd put my head on the pillow and I'd say, God, I thank you, you love me and I'm gonna have a great sleep tonight. 
you know what? I didn't get a victory overnight. I didn't go from being a terrible sleeper to a wonderful sleeper. I'm probably still somewhere on that journey of improving, but I've probably gone from like a 2 out of a 10 to like an 8 out of 10. It's like there's room for improvement, but I'm so much further on than where I was. See, God wants to help you. He wants to heal the brokenness of your life. But we've got to take the seed that He's given us and do something with it if we're going to see change. Fear used to be a big problem for me. Fear and anxiety. And one day as I read the Word of God and discovered that fear is not a gift from God, but rather the gift from God is confidence. And a sound mind, I made the decision that God, I'm going to engage my faith that you've given me with the Word of God, and I'm going to overcome fear. Again, I didn't get a victory overnight, but as I walk it out, as I declare it, as I believe it, step by step, day by day, I've overcome fear. So this morning, I want you to know that God wants to take your faith, to bring transformation to the inner parts of your world that maybe not even anybody else sees. He wants to bring transformation. He wants to bring transformation. Here's the second thing I want to say this morning about transformation. Number one, faith will transform our inner world, but, but here's the second thing. Number two, faith will transform our immediate world. Will transform our immediate world. What's our immediate world? Our immediate world is the world that we're faced with every day. It's the world we're faced with every day. I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a preacher. I'm a, a leader in a church. And so really most of the time my world is working within a church context, working with leaders, working with staff, working with interns, working with people who need help. That's my immediate world. Uh, your immediate world may be totally different. If you're a mom here today with little kids, probably your immediate world is your family. We got four young kids. My, my wife's world predominantly in this season of life is, is her family. If you're a university student, probably your immediate world is your university. Maybe if you're living in a family or you're living with some flatmates, your, your immediate world is the environment that you wake up in and live in every day. Maybe you've got a job in a great company and you go to an office every day. What's your immediate world? Your, your, your workplace. Maybe you're in a sports club. Maybe you go to the gym. That's the thing you do for fun. What's your immediate world? It's that, that group of people that you do sport with. And I believe that God wants to transform our immediate worlds as well as our internal worlds. He actually wants to see significant change. Here's the thing I love about God, like I said at the start, is when Jesus gets involved in transforming a person's life, he, it was rarely just a minor adjustment. He transformed it. I love the story of the demoniac. If you don't know the story, here's a man who is so filled with evil spirits that they cannot control him. He is out of his mind. He is exhibits supernatural strength, which means he can break chains. He would strip himself naked. He was thrust out of his local town. And when Jesus turns up and transforms his life, there was not just a little bit of change. It was not minimal change. He literally revolutioned his life. He revolutionized him. He was in his right mind. He was clothed. He was ready to go to work. When Jesus prayed for a leper, 
who was cast out of the city, unable to love, unable to touch people and be part of the community. When Jesus healed them, how many of you know their world was not just mildly adjusted, their world was transformed. Do you know the role of the church of Jesus Christ is not just to bring a mild adjustment to the world or the city in which we live, it's to bring complete and utter transformation. Equipus Dunedin, you exist not just to have nice Sunday morning services and to have nice times together, although, praise God, we'll do that. You exist to bring transformation to the immediate world in which you live. That's what you're here for, to bring transformation, to see a city transformed, to see culture transformed. And so whatever area is your immediate world right now, I want to stir your faith this morning to believe that you could see supernatural, significant transformation in that area. i got like three people excited on the front row. I know the rest of you, it's, it's, it's brewing, it's brewing, it's coming. <laughs> you know, my wife, like I said, we got four kids, and uh, my oldest is 10, and the youngest is four, and she's just started going to school, and uh, so it's like a big deal in our house, to, uh, a new season, and, uh, but you know, for a long time, for 10 years, my, 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 my children, I guess, predominantly have been my wife's immediate world. She's had a role in church and all those things and, and has some part-time work, but the kids have been the thing. And, uh, and so my wife is a wonderful lady, and I'm so blessed she, she, because she's a prayer. She's a prayer, and she prays for our kids. Now, I pray for our kids, but hand on heart, I do not pray for them anywhere near as much as Monica prays for them. And so she's got scriptures up on the wall that she's declaring over them and things she's believing for them. And about a year ago, she looked at our oldest son, Caleb. Caleb is 10 years of age, and he's just one of those really good kids. Aren't you glad that when God just gives you a kid, it's just like, you know, I don't know if they're all going to be like this, but praise God, I've got at least one who just does what I say when I say it. And he's just one of these great, great kids. He's, he's just a wonderful child. And here's what she discovered. As she looked at his life and she looked at his schooling and she looked at the sports clubs he was involved in, she started to feel like he was getting overlooked. Because, because if we're honest, sometimes the naughty kids, <laughs> sometimes the naughty kids make more noise and get more attention than the good kids. And so she looked at Caleb's life and she started to pray because she said, you know what, I don't want this to happen just because he's a good boy. I don't want him to be overlooked in the whole, the different areas of life. And so she's a prayer and she's a reader of the word. And one day she's reading about the whole area of promotion and something in her spirit comes alive and she thinks that's it. That's it. God, that's what you want to do for my kids. You want to bring promotion over their lives. And so because my wife's a prayer, she starts to pray, this is a year of promotion. And she tells me, you watch it, this year the boys are going to get promoted. And, and, and so, you know, she's putting the kids to sleep at night, and I can hear her, she's telling them, she's like, boys, we're believing for promotion this year. You're not going to be overlooked, you're not going to be overseen, uh, people are going to recognize you, and you're going to get promoted. 
And so she's, she's praying this. She's believing this. She's declaring this over, her, over these boys' lives. And, you know, about a year later, it's really interesting, isn't it? When we pray, coincidences happen. Have you noticed that? When we pray, things just start to happen. And, and so, so, so slowly at first, they start to get promotions. And it's like one promotion, you know, you could put down as a coincidence, but when it's two promotions, three promotions, four promotions, five promotions. Just as I left home for this trip, you know, about a week ago, I discovered that Caleb had been made a prefect in his school. And I'm like, that's so awesome. I was never a prefect in all my, I would, I'd love to have been a prefect, have my own tie and get the chance to tell other kids what to do. That would have been, apparently that's not what a prefect's all about, but I, I, I thought it was. But here he is. He's seen promotion after promotion after promotion. Is that a coincidence or is that someone saying, I'm going to apply faith to my immediate world to see transformation? A couple of weeks ago, we had our own Acts conference in Europe, and uh, it was just an unbelievable weekend. Pastor Pat was there and others, and just a phenomenal weekend. We had a prophet come through. His name is Michael Maiden, and, and Michael started to prophesy over our children, and, and he just started to say, you know, your, your kids are going to have this kind of worldwide mandate on their lives. He just said, I just see them traveling, but they're not going to travel for tourism's sake. They're going to travel to take what God has placed in their lives all around the world. So here's me as a dad. You know, that's pretty exciting. It's like, whoa, my kids are amazing. And uh, 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 kind of arrogantly. And, you know, hey, wow, God's going to. And, and so I get home and I'm talking to Monica. And, and, and one day she's standing by the sink and she's washing up. And, and next to the sink is a, is a cupboard. And there are all her prayer scriptures. And she calls me over. And she says, come and have a look at this. And she said, you know all those things that Michael Maiden had prophesied over our children over that conference, the, the, the global mandate and to go to the world and, and change it. She said, look at this. And she showed me a scripture from Isaiah that she had been prophesying over our kids for the last year, that they'd go to the nations, that they'd bring transformation wherever they go. And so it was like, well, Michael Maiden was pretty good, but he's about 12 months behind my wife. Amen. <laughs> and so I want to tell you that your immediate world can be transformed, not just mildly adjusted, not just a little small change, could be transformed. Your schools can be transformed. I know right through New Zealand, right in the UK, we've got groups of young people who are going early to their schools in the morning, and they're praying over their schools that transformation could come. I'm telling you, when I hear that, I am so excited. I'm like, God, we are living in an exciting day when teenagers will get out of bed early to go to their school and prophesy transformation, transformation, transformation. Come on, that ought to put something in some of us that if our teenagers can do it over their schools, couldn't we do it over our families? Couldn't we do it over our workplaces? Couldn't we do it over our city? Wow, we need to look at our teenagers and be inspired at their level of faith of what God wants to do. And, and, and so faith will transform our immediate world. Here's the third thing I want to say this morning. Number one, faith transforms our inner world. Number two, it transforms our immediate world. But here's the third thing about faith. Faith will transform the world. 
Everyone say the world. The nations. That's a big call right there. That's a big call that our faith can transform the nations. How many of you love saying the Lord's Prayer? Lord's Prayer is just a powerful prayer, isn't it? You know, I, I, uh, as part of what I do, I, I will go to uh, people who have lost somebody, and I'm often asked to take funeral services for people who have lost loved ones. And I, I probably do one, sometimes maybe two services a week. And these are not people I know. These are people I've been called by a funeral home, and they say, would you take this service? And, uh, and so I have the privilege of going into people's homes that I would never, ever get into uh, if it wasn't for this inroad. And, and so I, I go in, and I'm fully aware that when I go in, I'm going in probably into a home of people that are not believers, probably into a home of people who have no faith, but, but they've lost someone dear to them. And it's really interesting, you know, uh, um, people who do not have a faith in Jesus Christ, when it comes to a funeral service, they, they all want two things. They'll say, I want a non-religious service. I say, okay, would you like the Lord's Prayer? Oh, yeah. We, we definitely want the Lord's Prayer. Uh, would you like me to read the Lord is my shepherd, Psalm 23? Oh, yeah, we definitely want that. Do you want to sing a hymn? All things bright and beautiful would be great. And so, uh, you know, these, these people, they, they, they're saying, well, you know, I, I don't want religion, but, but there's something about the power of God's Word that, that it, it, it's, it's attractive to them. And when you read the Lord's Prayer, and we pray things like, Our Father who art in heaven, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What is that? That's a prayer of transformation for the nations. That's a prayer of transformation. God, I want you to come. I want your kingdom to be established in Dunedin, in New Zealand. As it is in heaven, let it be here. Listen, that's a prayer for the nations. And we've got to have faith and believe that God is moving. Listen, I want to tell you, right around the world, God is moving. God is moving. Do you know, every single day, all over the face of the planet, hundreds of thousands of people are coming to faith in Jesus Christ. Every single day. We're in a move of God right now. I know sometimes we look around and we think, well, I don't see it here. But globally, God is moving right now. And we can attach our faith to what God is doing to see something amazing happen. So let me tell you a story. Um, uh, we were at Acts Conference in the UK a couple of weeks ago. And um, Pastor Bruce Monk is there. And, you know, I, I love Pastor Bruce Monk. He, he um, uh, really stirs things up when he comes. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, you have a plan, and then uh, Bruce turns up, and the plan goes out the window. And, uh, and so Bruce turned up, and he said, here's what I want us to do. He said, Equipers Church in Manila uh, is right now bursting out of the seams in their building. If you don't know, we have a church in Manila, one in the south of Manila, one in the north. The one in the south has about two to 250 people. The one in the north, which has been going three years, had a building that seated 350 people, but we're starting to see 400, 450, 480 people coming out to church on a Sunday in just three years. Most of them unsaved when they joined the church. How many of you think that would be a good problem for us to have in Dunedin? When we got people sitting on the floor and people sitting on the stage because there's so many people. 
And so Bruce says, we've got this amazing thing happening, but they need a bigger building. And, uh, and uh, you know, in Manila, they just don't have the money to do it. They just, it's not a lack of faith. It's just the reality of their circumstance. And, and, so, and so Bruce said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take up a $20,000 offering in our conference to get them into a new building that seats 1000 going to take up a $20,000 offering. And I was like, okay, okay cool. Uh, and in addition to that, we need to take up about another $20,000 just to pay the cost of running the conference because we run it at a loss. We have people come from all over the world. We look after them. We want them to be there. And in addition to that, we need a little bit of leftover because we want to go and do more stuff in Europe. So we really need about 25,000 pounds, about $50,000 which is probably about six or seven times more than we've ever taken up in that conference offering. So we have this huge need. We have this, this thing that needs to happen. And so some of you will know a guy called Pastor John Malcolm. Pastor John Malcolm is a New Zealander from Christchurch. He uh, is bivocational. Half of his time he runs a church. Half of his time he's a dentist. And the wonderful thing about John is John just has this great revelation that life is about giving. <laughs> I mean, you hang around with John for any length of time, you get irritated because he just needles you so much that you thought you were doing well and you think, oh man, I've got such a long way to go in my generosity. So John has this, he has this revelation. He has this personal faith that has transformed his inner world that his life exists to bless and to give. And because he carries this personal revelation, it's impacted his immediate world, which is his church. And, and so now you've got a person who carries great faith, but you've got a church that embraces this, this, man, we're givers, we're here to bless the world, we're here to make a difference. So John decides, I'm going to fly to London. He wasn't invited, he wasn't speaking. He said, I'm just going to go to London, and I'm just going to be part of what God is doing. So he doesn't know our needs. He, he doesn't know that we're going to take up this or need to take up this $50,000 offering. He just thinks, I don't know, I'll just go and be part of what God is doing. And so he arrives in London and I say to him, hey, John, this is what we need to do. We need to take up this offering and uh, we're going to do it over a couple of separate offerings. You know, kind of get two shots at it. <laughs> if we don't make it first time, we'll have a second go the next day. And John looked at me and he said, no, 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 if we're going to do it, we're going to do it in one offering. There's no second chance here. Let's nail it on the first day. My like, flipper, man, this guy has got faith. I'm not bad in this area, but he's a whole nother level. And then so he said, I'm gonna, I'm, let's do it. So we, we have this conversation. He's going to do it. Okay, John, let's go for it. So John gets up on the Friday night of the conference and, and he preaches this five-minute message on giving. Now, here's the truth. I don't even remember what he said. It wasn't like it was the most profound, phenomenal, anointed message on giving that just transformed my whole world. It was just a good gift to God. But here's the deal. He carries such a spirit of faith in the area of giving that it started to affect the place. And so he takes up this offering, and uh, we get to the end of the service, and Michael Maiden's praying over a whole lot of people, and I get the text message through from the finance team to say, hey, guess what? We took up our $50,000 offering. Come on, that's pretty awesome right there. And uh, so we take up this offering, and so praise God, we take up the offering. But here's what I want you to see. You've got a guy in New Zealand from a place called Christchurch. Most people in Europe have never even heard of a place called Christchurch. 
<laughs> and he travels all the way to London. In fact, he doesn't even travel to London. We meet in a little town outside of London called Woking. I'm fairly confident that no one in this room has ever heard of Woking before. It's just not one of those global places. And so, and so you've got John. He's developed this inner faith, this revelation in the area of giving. And he gets on a plane and he travels all the way to the UK. And, and he releases his faith into an environment that brings transformation. So now we've got $20,000 to send to Manila. So $20,000, imagine I'm the $20,000, and I go down the electronic waves or however money is communicated and however it's transported, and, and I arrive in Manila, and I'm enabling a church that is overspilling, that is overflowing to get into their next building to touch more lives, to see more people meet Jesus and transformed. <laughs> Uh, here he is. He's in New Zealand. <laughs> He's in London. The money ends up in Manila. What is that? That's faith that transforms a nation. That's faith that transforms out of one man's life, out of one man's seed, out of one man's sowing, out of one man's belief comes a group of people who now stand with them and say, well, if you believe it, we believe it too. And out of we believe it comes a whole nother group of people in another part of the world that get blessed by it, impacted by it, and praise God, those guys are now in something like a thousand seat of venue. I think they had 750 people in church last week. Come on, we're, we're impacting nations. Come on, Equippers Church, we're impacting nations. Oh, come on, I think we all need to get excited about that. What if the music team could come really quickly? Come on, faith to transform a nation. Pastor Willie and Desiree are here, and you know what? They're, they're, they're my great friends, some of my best friends on the planet. But uh, God brought them to London. He brought them to London, and in London, something was formed in their lives. And here's the bummer about serving God is God always asks for your best. He never asks for your leftovers. And so we sowed them back into the nation that they came from, Auckland to Masterton to Dunedin. What's happening is what a few group of people sowing in faith, transformation, Come on, I want to prophesy over you this morning, Equippers Dunedin. This church does not exist to make it through. This church does not exist just to survive for another year. This church does not even just exist to transform a city and a region. This church exists to help transform the nations. That's a big claim, isn't it? That's a big claim. But never underestimate what your prayer can do. Never underestimate what your giving can do. Never underestimate what your serving can do. Let me say this. Pastor Willie didn't ask me to say this, but these guys know you're going away. Hey, yeah. So these guys are about to go on sabbatical. <laughs> so hopefully you knew that. If you didn't, you'd just be wondering where they are for the next eight weeks. So it's probably better that I say it. And... Uh, <laughs> And here's what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen as they, as they just take some time out, some much-needed time out to refresh and get restored and come back even more excited about what God's going to do. You know, there's the possibility, I don't want to prophesy it, but there's the possibility some gaps are going to open up. 
And we have a choice at that moment to do one of two things. We can either point at the gaps and say, well, Willie's away. Look at that gap. Or we can make a decision to say, well, well, when I see a gap, maybe I could fill it. If I see a gap, maybe I could fill it. Maybe I could rise up and help fill it. And then wouldn't this be awesome? Wouldn't it be awesome when Pastor Willie and Desiree return in a couple of months' time that some of the stuff they were carrying, they now no longer need to carry? Because there's a whole lot of people who went to another level. You say, well, why would I do that? I'll tell you why you do that, because you're going to touch the nations if you do that. This church will never touch the nations when the pastor has to be at everything, do everything, serve everybody, meet everybody. <laughs> we're going to touch a city. If we're going to touch a region. If we're going to touch a nation. Come on, we've got to be a church that's prepared to go to another level to release. Come on, right now, there's going to be some areas. I just believe it in my spirit. You're going to see them. You're going to, they're going to be glaringly obvious to you. And you're going to remember this message when you point the finger and say, look at that gap. And I believe the conviction of the Holy Spirit is going to come upon your life and you're going to have a choice to make. Am I going to complain or am I going to stand up and am I going to step into the gap in Jesus' name? You're an awesome church. I'm so excited about the next 12 months, the next five years, the next 10 years. Who knows what God is going to do? Would you stand up with me today as we get ready to close?